0: When I lose my way, and I forget my name, remind me who I am. In the mirror all I see, who I don't want to be, remind me who I am. In the loneliest places.
1: to welcome you all to church this morning as we come together from our lives to gather to be together to learn from God to learn about him and to fellowship with one another as we begin our service this morning we have Doug Gardy here who is going to tell us about Royal Family Kids Camp
2: good morning As I was uh, reading through this month's uh, Highlights newsletter, I was reminded again of the many ways in which our church has an impact on the community around us. I read about uh, volunteers who work down at Wellspring Ministries, and I understand that we have drivers who drive for Meals on Wheels, and we assist local families with service projects through Project Grace, and many of you give to the food pantry. One of the other valuable ways that our congregation reaches out is through Royal Family Kids Camp, which is a ministry that this church has supported for more than 20 years. Dozens of folks in this church, as well as many Houghton College students, have spent a week at camp every summer working with some wonderful children. Uh, Others have made it possible for kids to attend camp through their generous gifts. And many of you have prayed for campers and for staff during that week of camp. For one week in July, children from all around Allegheny County, some of them very close to home right here, uh, come up to Camp Asbury for a week of fun. We sing, we play games, we swim, we fish, we have a birthday party and a carnival and a campfire and a talent show. We hear about God and his plans for our lives. And most of all, our campers, children whose lives have been disrupted by abuse or neglect, hear the message that they are special because they are loved by a Heavenly Father who will never leave them. One of our campers, I'll call her Susie, came to camp for the first time in 2015 as a seven-year-old. She was living in foster care at the time and her counselors noticed that even at her young age she seemed very burdened uh, for the welfare of one of her younger siblings. Last summer at camp, Susie happily reported that she was back living with her parents but we recently learned that her parents have both been arrested on drug charges as well as other violations, and it's likely that Susie is back in foster care. Last summer, during swim time, a great little guy, and I'll call him Jake, paddled up to me and we started talking. And I mentioned to him that I had just become a grandpa, and that I was sort of homesick because I hadn't seen my new granddaughter all week. Yeah, he said, I miss my dad. He's in prison and I don't get to see him very often. And then he paused and he said, but I love camp, and I love you. Well, fortunately, Susie and Jake can return to camp again this summer, where they can relax and have fun and just be kids, knowing that they're safe, surrounded by adults who care for them and want good things for their lives. So how can you help make camp a reality for these children? Well, first of all, you can pray for them. You may not know their names, but you can pray for the kids of RFKC and for their safety and for their well-being in very difficult circumstances in their lives. And second, you can give. Now, if you've ever sent one of your own kids to camp for a week, you know that it's not cheap. With a gift of $300, you can sponsor one of these children to make it possible for them to come to camp. But any gift, no matter how big or small, can help to create positive memories for every child who attends. And finally, we need volunteers. We need several helpers in the dining room to deliver food to the tables. And believe me, the kids will love you when you bring them more pancakes or tacos. And if you enjoy working on crafts, you can help in our activity center. And we also need someone else to help out on the drama team. But most of all, we need counselors. You'll have great fun with two campers, but you won't be alone in doing that. There are lots of staff alongside you throughout the day to help. But you'll have the privilege of showing God's love to children who desperately need that reassurance. Applications for counselors and staff positions are due by mid-February. So if you're interested, please contact Nancy Murphy. And there's a uh, sheet in your bulletin that gives you more information about how to do that. Royal Family Kids Camp, I promise you, will be the best week that you will spend this summer. Thank you.
3: morning. We are inviting everyone to come to the missions tour night. You've seen the signs around the church. You have an insert in your bulletin. Um, this is a kickoff for the missions month in February. Um, the missions tour night is um, two important things to remember about it. It's for everyone, kids, adults, whoever you are, you should come. Um, the nursery is available if, if you have small children. Um, second thing It's important to be on time. It starts at 6.15. It's this Wednesday, February 1st. Um, It's going to be a tight schedule. Things start right off. We put you into groups and get you going. So try to be on time, 6.15. And it's going to be very fun, inspirational. things for everybody. So we hope to see you there.
1: Please stand and join us as we continue in worship together. I will sing for your love come down with my hands to heaven shout your
0: praises out i was lost in darkness when you pulled me out i will sing sing forever of your love come down Your praises loud I was lost in darkness When you pulled me out I will sing forever Of your love come down I will sing forever Of your love Help to me of the saints let every nation shout out of the faith Jesus day. is coming we
1: some ways it feels like it hasn't been that long since we celebrated your first Advent, Lord. At Christmas. Celebrating when you came incarnate into our world. And now as we are in these last days between your first Advent and your second Advent, Lord, we wait for you. We long for you and we are excited. We anticipate You are coming again. We ask you to help us, Lord. Help us to remember who we are. Help us to know that we are loved. Help us to live for you, God, as we wait. Amen. Continue in a time of prayer together as Pastor Wes leads us. If you would like to come to the altar as your place of prayer, you are welcome to do so. You may be seated.
4: Father, we are amazed that you call us sons and daughters. You, the great God of the universe, want relationship with us. We've come today to to acknowledge that and to express our desire for that. Help us to experience that. Well, as we gather this morning, there are all kinds of things happening all over our world. Some of them are awesome. Some of them are... Disturbing and frightening, terrifying. We pray, Father, for people who are in need around this world, refugees who have been displaced from their homes and many have no place to go. Think of people who are struggling to to recover from disasters and and various kinds of violence and attacks. We think of our brothers and sisters who. Many worship in secret because to do otherwise would endanger their lives, their families, their well-being. Pray to give them courage, strength, protection. We thank you for the work of your church around the world. We think of John and Pat Shea this morning have given 50 years of their lives to serving you in various places of the world. And we pray that... They will continue to see fruit as your Spirit works in those they have helped, and passing that along to next generations. And we pray for your grace upon them in this new season of their lives. Lord, we think about um, our nation. We sense the divisiveness. We sense anger. We sense we sense a breakdown of, of so much that has unified us. We ask, Father, that you would restore that sense of of love and compassion and and unity with each other. Father, there are so many things that divide us. We have different ideologies and different perspectives, and and, and these things are not unimportant. But, Father, fill our hearts with love. Fill our hearts with compassion and grace. pray for the leaders of our nation, the president, Congress, all those in the judiciary, those at, at the state level and the local level, all who are making decisions and leading us. And we pray that you'd fill each of them with your spirit, with your wisdom and your grace. They would do what is best, particularly for people who are struggling, vulnerable, in need. Lord, we pray for the churches around us. Today we think of the Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Wellsville and Pastor Knitter. We bless this congregation that their hearts would be so united together in you that they they would make a difference in their city and beyond. Lord, we think about our needs right here that we bring with us today. We've come today with some of us grieving a loss. Some are here today either struggling with or knowing others who are dealing with illness and the pain that comes to us in this broken world. We think about relationships that are fractured. Families. But we have needs to love one another and we're wrestling with that. We think about the The um, the things that are in front of us, things of school, living situation. Think of the future. So many things that are unknown that worry us and burden us and we struggle with them. Today we, we really feel a sense of anxiety about them. Some of us have huge decisions ahead of us and quite frankly we aren't sure exactly how to navigate the waters. Lord, in all of these things, may we sense your Spirit helping us, comforting us in our grief, and healing the sick, and giving us wisdom about the future, and restoring what is broken, and reconciling what is torn apart, doing your miraculous work that you alone can do. Thank you. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers today. Thank you for your desire that we would know relationship in such a way with you that we are sons and daughters of the King. Pray all of this through Jesus Christ. Lord, our Savior.
3: Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. Would you please stand for the reading of the gospel? Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. But only to your Father who is unseen and to your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is the word of God.
4: want to um, take a little bit ex- more extended time to give you a chance to greet folks today. So you know when that internal clock goes off in your head and you say, we better stop, keep going. So walk around, introduce yourself, talk to somebody, greet folks. Wasn't that fun? Let me mention a, a couple of things to you. Uh, one, for those of you who, who know this, Happy uh, Lunar New Year yesterday. Uh, we had a little bit of a chance to celebrate that. And uh, also, I want to remind you that we're, uh, we're hosting a potluck uh, right after the 11 o'clock service. And uh, in the community room, which is directly behind us here, and we'd love to have you come. If you signed up, obviously come. If you didn't sign up, then please come anyway. We, we had lots of food last time we did this, and we'd love to have you there. If you want to go over there after this service, there's some stuff that will be going on uh, there. You can hang out and uh, until the meal. Probably will be served going on noon or so after the 11 o'clock service or as that's getting, finishing up. Uh, but we just love to have you here and uh, it's a chance to connect... With college students, connect with community people and vice versa, and academy students, you're welcome to come as well. And uh, we, we just love to have you a part of this and give us all a chance to interact and get to know each other a little bit more. So uh, we hope that uh, you'll, you'll stay or come back for the, the luncheon a little bit later. Talking about food, um, sometimes the whole idea of discipline is hard for us. And food is one of the things that we sometimes struggle with about discipline. We we struggle with lots of things related to discipline. In fact, if if you're like me, growing up, the word discipline is kind of a bad word. You know, it had negative connotations. You had to you got you got disciplined by your parents, and that was not a positive experience. If you're like me, it, we think of discipline negatively, but the truth of the matter is, discipline actually. ...is one of the most positive things we can experience. When you talk about disciplining ourselves, disciplining our lives... ...we we are doing something, we are limiting ourselves, we are holding off on something... ...we're delaying gratification about something in order to get something better down the road. I've been watching the Australian Open to finish this morning, the tennis tournament... ...and as I'm listening to people talk about different players... They, they've talked about a few players who have tremendous talent, but they never get past the first or second round because they don't want to practice. They don't want to get themselves in the kind of shape they need to be in to play long matches. And so they keep losing all the time. And they're saying, you know, it's so sad to watch them wasting that talent because they don't want to discipline themselves. And that is true across all the different things that we do, including our walk with Christ. And in this passage that we just read a few moments ago, Jesus says spiritual disciplines are essential for being like the King, for being like our Father. Chapter 5, the very last verse says, Be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. And the word perfect doesn't mean never make a mistake, but it means having the mindset of Christ, being being completed in Christ. It is wanting to look like God. And most of chapter 5 is leading us to... This is what it looks like to look like God. And now, as we come to chapter 6, he's saying, This is how you get there. These are the kinds of things that you do. This is what life looks like in order to get you to this place that God wants you to be. And spiritual disciplines are a big part of that. Now, he doesn't list all the spiritual disciplines here, he only mentions three. But he doesn't talk about worship, he doesn't talk about accountability, he doesn't talk about solitude, silence. But he talks about these three as examples. And he says, not if you practice these things, but when you practice these things. Jesus is assuming that his disciples, citizens of his kingdom, will practice spiritual discipline. Because it is the way to get to the end that God wants for us. And so he talks about prayer. He says, when you pray, he expects people to pray. He expects people to give, expects people to fast. When he talks about giving, he's talking about this mindset, I think, of developing a spirit of generosity in us. Sometimes we we equate generosity with spur-of-the-moment decisions. You know, we see something on television that breaks our hearts and we call in and give money. Or, or we, uh, you know, somebody tells us a story and so we give money. And, or there's a project that touches us and we give to that. And that's good. We should do that. But that that's not really what defines generosity. Generosity is not just spontaneous. It's spontaneous because it's been planned. And the spiritual disciplines are about planning to do these things. And so we plan to be generous. We plan to give. God tells the Israelites in the Old Testament that the minimum giving is 10%. Tithe. That's what you ought to plan to do. That's what my people do. Come to the New Testament and Jesus and the writers of the New Testament tell us, no one says stop tithing. They just say don't let that be the minimum. Don't, Don't just think about the minimum. Think about being generous. Think about beyond it. Think about the bigger picture. and Learning to be generous with God. ...and the causes of God... ...the church, the kingdom... ...all the ways in which God is at work in the world... ...learn, develop the spirit of being generous to God... ...so that it comes naturally to you... ...but it's also not just about what we give for the kingdom... ...it's about what we do for each other... ...because as we become generous toward God... ...it causes us to see the needs of other people... ...and want to help meet those needs... ...and our life with Christ is always vertical and horizontal... ...Scripture tells us over and over again... If you love God, you love people. If you're generous toward God, you'll be generous toward people. It's a natural thing that happens. And that's one of the spiritual disciplines. He talks about About prayer. And prayer is, is learning intimacy with God. Spending time with God, listening to God, conversing with God. It's building relationship. What kind of relationship do we have with anyone if we never converse with them? If we never spend time with them, if we never sit and listen to them, and them listen to us? It's a pretty... It's a pretty minimal relationship. We don't have conversation and time together. One of the reasons relationships kind of break down is because we don't spend time together. And prayer is the opportunity to spend time with God, sharing with God our hearts and listening to God as He speaks to us through His script, through the Word and through the Spirit. And what happens is, when we begin to understand who God is and intimacy with God, it affects our intimacy with other people and our openness to other people. The more open we are to God, the more we learn from God, the more our closer our relationship with God. The more we care about the needs of other people, openness to them, wanting to develop relationship with them through the Spirit of Christ. And then he talks about fasting. I think fasting is sort of like that—that awkward, distant cousin that shows up at family reunions that you kind of wish he wouldn't because it's really uncomfortable. No one knows. You know, he, he gets you in the corner and you can't get away from him. He's talking about these things. And, and you know, he has, maybe he's not so great social skills. And, and when your family's thinking of getting together, no one really wants to invite this cousin because it's awkward when he's around, but he always shows up. You know, we, families have these people, right? And fasting, I think, is like that. we like, I don't know what to do with this. In the day, when Jesus is speaking, his audience fasting was a part of the ritual of their lives. But it's really not for us much anymore. But it could be so valuable to us to stop, spend our time instead of instead of eating a meal, we spend that time in prayer, focusing, concentrating on God, thinking more about God than we even would in our regular times of prayer that we set aside. And the thing about fasting is that it's not just it's not just what we give up, it's what we what enables us to experience with God because we're willing to discipline ourselves. And fasting and justice are often connected in the scriptures. In Isaiah fifty eight, one of those places, the people say to God, We fasted before you. Why aren't you impressed? We've been hard on our, very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. And God says, because you're fasting, but you keep oppressing your workers. What I want is you to fast that leads you to free those who are wrongly imprisoned and lift the burden off those who work for you and let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people and share your food and give shelter and give clothes. And on and on he goes. And Because when we begin to, to fast and we deny ourselves food, in a way that allows us to spend more time with God and concentrate on God, then if we're doing it for the right reason and the right way, it will lead us to see the needs of other people and want to meet those needs. And that's what spiritual disciplines do. And that's the problem Jesus addresses here. They're not doing that. They're practicing all these things and they're not leading them to care more and more about other people. And Jesus says that's because you're doing it with the wrong motive. You're doing it to be recognized by people, not to build relationship with God that then allows you to have the kind of relationship with people that you need. And so people are going to the temple, the rich going to the temple, and and they are making a big production out of it. Now, Jesus loves hyperbole. If you read a lot of the parables, you get that. But here's one of those places. I don't think when the rich enter the temple, there's a trumpet quartet over here going, and then they throw their money into the offering plate and everyone cheers. But in the temple, there were seven of these metal trumpet-like things that they, people put their offerings into. And in the in the story of the widow who comes and puts in two pennies, Jesus describes the, the some of the wealthy people, the the Pharisees and others, who have lots of money. And, of course, everything is coinage. And the, the more valuable the coin, the heavier and bigger it is. And the more noise it makes when you put it into the trumpet. And so the rich would come, make sure it's all quiet, and then, bam... And everyone would say, woo, look how much they gave. And the widow puts in two little pennies that go, dink, dink. And Jesus says she gave more than they did. Because she gave for the right reason. Why do we give? Some people would say, well, that must mean if you can't give with the right spirit, then don't give. And that's not what Jesus is saying. Those are not our only two options. He says, give. To give in the wrong spirit is still better than not giving at all. But to give with the right spirit is what he's looking for. You give because it's important for us to be generous and it's important for us to help people in need, and we care about people and we care about developing the spirit of generosity with God and with others. When he talks about praying, he describes the the, the religious folk who stand on the street corner and pray these eloquent prayers, and he's not saying praying eloquent prayers is bad. He's just saying, when you do it to impress people, it's a wrong motive. Completely wrong motive. Instead, focus your prayer time on developing your relationship with God. Go into places that are quiet, that nobody sees you. And pour out your heart to God. And then when you pray in public, people will be able to tell, this is not the show. This is because they have such a deep relationship with And he talks about fasting, and he says people, you know, they, they want everyone to know they're fasting, look spiritual. You know, it's the kind of thing you walk into the room,
0: and, oh, man, oh boy, Ooh.
4: wow, man. I, I, I don't know, you don't say anything about it, but you just keep complaining enough that finally people say, "You okay?" Yeah, I've just been fasting for the last three months. And I don't know. I don't. Know. I just, I've just been it's been awesome with God. Oh. And Jesus says, that's not what I'm looking for. I want to fast in such a way that really no one even pays attention to it. Except you and me. And the only reason people notice your fasting is because you become more like God. Because you care more about other people. Because your spirit is being changed and transformed. And people might not know that it's because you fasted. They just see the difference. That's what people need to be noticing that you look more like Jesus. What's interesting about all that Jesus says here is that it's tied up with rewards. Which makes us a little bit nervous. You know, we want people to do things because it's the right thing to do, not because they're going to get something from it. It doesn't feel very spiritual to say, okay, look, if you do this, God will reward you. And we hear that, if you watch preachers on television or things, you hear that happening, you know, if you give everything you have, God will reward you and my life will be a whole lot better. I will not see that last part. But you know, we, we get nervous about rewards, but Jesus doesn't seem to be nervous at all about rewards. He loves talking about rewards. It's just a different kind of reward than we typically talk about. And he says, if you do these things to impress people, that's all there is. But if you do things because you want to know God, you want to draw closer to God, you want to love people more, then God is going to give you rewards that are beyond your imagination. I think it's going to lead to us back to the, the attitudes where this whole sermon started. And he's going to say, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be set free from the bondage of having to impress people all the time. If you've ever lived any period of time of your life trying to impress people, you know how exhausting that can be. You're always trying to get their attention, trying to make sure that you do things so that people can see you. And the hard part is, the more of that you do, the more you have to keep upping the ante. Because what you did last month that impressed people isn't going to impress them this month. You have to pray a little bit more eloquently and a little bit longer and you have to fast a little bit more and you got to give a little bit more. and You got to make a bigger show of it all the time because always you're looking out of the corner of your eye to make sure people notice what you're doing. And Jesus says, how about I, I can set you free from that bondage, the freedom to just be who God created you to be. And Jesus isn't saying that when when we do things for the wrong reason, God sits back and says, well, I'm not rewarding that. What He's simply saying is, we get what we want. And we do these things because we want people to notice us. And Jesus says, then people will notice you. You've gotten what you want, and that's the end of it. The problem is, we need to want more... Than just people noticing us. We want to be like the king. And we want to know the king. And to experience the fullness of the blessing of the king. And as C.S. Lewis writes. Our problem about this, this thing about rewards. Is not that our desires for them are too strong. It's that they're too weak. We don't really want what God wants to give us. He says we're like children who are content to build mud pies in a slum when all the while they've been offered a holiday at the sea. They don't even realize it. I know it feels mercenary sometimes, but that's only because our perspective of it is wrong. So Lewis goes on to talk about it: Marriage. He says, if someone marries, we don't really equate love and money. So if somebody marries for money, we would say that's mercenary and that's not really the intent. But when people marry for love, that's exactly what we're supposed to do. We marry because we love this person, we want to spend time with this person. We we can't imagine life without this person and and we envision the, the great... Union that we have together as a couple. That's exactly what we're intended to do. And that makes marriage what it's intended to be. Not something we use people to get something we want. I'm convinced that all this comes back to our view of God. When we pray to impress God, when we pray to convince God that we are good and He ought to give us things, it implies that God doesn't really want to do that. And that's a pagan view of God. Because the truth is, God knows all the things that we need, and He's working to to do them. And it's exactly what He's going to tell us in chapter 7, that He loves to give good gifts to His children. That's really what is happening in the Lord's Prayer, which some scholars would see as the center of the whole Sermon on the Mount. And in the Lord's Prayer, it's really, in many ways, just an acknowledgement of who God is. Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Your name. We believe You are the King. We bow before You. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We believe that nothing is greater, nothing is better than the kingdom of God. We pray that we would be agents to help it come now on earth. Give us this day our daily bread. Is acknowledging that every good thing that we might have in this world comes from God. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Reminds us that... that it's only because we've been forgiven undeservedly that we can have freedom to forgive others and to live in peace. us not a temptation delivers deliver us from evil, acknowledges that God is our strength and God above. Our view of rewards is directly tied to our view of God. If we believe that God is who He says He is, then what could we want more than the blessing of God? That we may experience now, we'll certainly experience when Jesus ushers in the kingdom, but we get to experience glimpses of it even now as we live in His freedom. It comes back to those disciplines, it comes back to, to being willing to discipline ourselves so that we can get to the end that God wants for us. All my years growing up, my mother was a piano teacher. Most of the time, she had about 30 students every week, hours every day. Little ones learned to play the piano. And my sisters and I took lessons for a number of years as well. And I don't normally play for people. I don't normally do that. But I thought to make a point this morning, I will. You all should feel privileged because I don't do this very often. You have to get yourself ready for this. can't even do it. Yeah. I can actually change keys, but that felt like I was just showing off. So that is my repertoire of being able to play the piano. And my mom's a piano teacher. My sisters don't play either. And we took lessons. But the whole time we took lessons, we whined and complained and fought with my mom and banged on the piano keys and made did everything we possibly could to let her know, we don't want to do this. And eventually, after years of fighting with us, she said, I can't do this anymore. All right, you guys can quit. And she said, don't ever come back to me and say, why did you let us quit? And We've all done that. We've all said to her, why did you let us quit? I want to be out playing baseball. I want to be out shooting baskets with my friends. I want to be out doing things with them. I don't want to be sitting at the piano practicing my scales and playing Carry Me Back to Old Virginia one more time. And I lament that. I thought in college about maybe trying to take up lessons again, but you know what I discovered? I like the idea of playing the piano more than I like the process of getting to the playing the piano. That's so it's really, as I think back, it was a childish, immature perspective. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I still have a childish, immature perspective about spiritual disciplines. Maybe you do too. But the point is not that these are hard. The point is they're leading us to something awesome. look like the king. Sons and daughters look like the king. Know His joy and His blessing. Because we've done the kinds of things, put ourselves in the place of receiving what He wants to give. Father, open our hearts and our minds. Put your finger on that place where we need most give ourselves away to You. Thank You for wanting to bless us and for wanting to do for us what is beyond what we could ever even want for ourselves. Give us a vision of what life can be like in You.
1: I'd like to invite our ushers forward as we give back to God from all that he has given to us.
4: Remind you about the, the luncheon and invite you to head on over now, or come back later at noon. And hope to see you. Receive the benediction, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Be with you now and forevermore.